Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today to take your calls and texts live on the air. I'm filling in for Pastor Eric today, who is a pastor of Rocky Mountain Calvary in Colorado Springs. He's out today, so I'm filling in. I want to say welcome to those of you listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. I also want to say hello to everyone who tunes in on our syndicated broadcasts on the East Coast and in the Tennessee area. So we're broadcast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And we're also syndicated on Truth FM, which is in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So we want to welcome you if you are listening on one of those stations. Glad you tuned in today. We also want to say hi to everyone who listens online, whether you listen on your web browser or if you listen on the mobile app. We encourage you, if you don't have that mobile app yet, to go and download that from the app store that you use. And you can tune in to the program anytime and you can hear live what's going on on Grace FM wherever you are, anywhere in the world over the internet. Welcome to everybody who tuned in today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And if you want to text us, you can also text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. So a few words about myself. I am the host of Calvary Live every Monday. So if you listen on Mondays, you'll hear me then. Uh, I'm filling in for Pastor Eric Cartier today because he's away. But uh, I'm part of the reason why I also am filling in is because I'm going to be gone for the next two weeks. And so I thought I'd take the chance to get to speak to you all and take your calls and texts over the air today. Again, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're a church that studies the Bible. We love to study the Bible verse by verse. We love Jesus. We love to worship. And so if you are in the Longmont, Colorado area, we would love to invite you to join us on a Sunday morning for church. Our website, so you can check us out online, is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can listen to all of our old messages on there. You can get directions to our services, find out stuff about what's going on at our church. We meet at 700 Longs Peak Avenue in downtown Longmont. So for those of you who are familiar with the city, that is right on the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman in downtown Longmont. So that is right on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park. Right uh, next to the park and ride, there's a, a old historic building there called the St. Vrain Memorial Building. And that is where our church meets at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you join us if you are in Longmont or in the surrounding area. I'd just like to personally invite you to come and join us this weekend. We are currently studying there at Whitefields. We are studying Hebrews. And we've been in Hebrews for a couple months. We took a couple breaks to, to kind of break it up a little bit. But we have really come to the end of the letter of Hebrews, we are now in chapter 12, which is really the climax of everything 
that the writer has been saying kind of comes to a head there in chapter 12. And we're looking at one of the greatest sections in the entire Bible, chapter 12. And the first part where he talks about running the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus and not getting weary by keeping our eyes on him. So we're going to be studying that this weekend. And you can always also tune in and hear our teachings on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. Every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So we'd love to have you join us. You can check us out at whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go ahead and go to some of our callers. We've got Noel uh, with a question on line one. Hi, Noel. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. Uh, great. <clears throat> well, happy Friday. Uh, my question is, why are, they, why are there so many Bible translations? And the follow-up question to that would be, is there a danger, or uh, not a danger, but would you have any words of wisdom as far as to specific translations to be wary of or to, uh, or to really just advocate using? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here's, here's what I would tell you. The fact that there are so many Bible translations in English, that's both a blessing and it can sometimes be a problem, as you're alluding to yourself. Now, just the quick answer, why are there so many translations? Uh, the, tra the reason there's so many translations is just because of the nature of language. So on the one hand, uh, as language changes over time, you know, we don't speak Shakespearean Middle English. <laughs> right. And our language changes over time. Now, that doesn't mean that the Bible has changed. It doesn't mean that as we come up with new translations, we're trying to change the Bible in any way. It means what we're, we're actually trying to be more faithful. We're trying to convey the Bible faithfully to people today in a setting in which language has changed over time. So that's the short answer. There's another answer to that, though. And that is that if you um, speak a language, you'll know this, that any time you translate something, you are also interpreting it, meaning this, that there, right. there might be more than one way to translate a given phrase. So, like for myself personally, I am uh, fluent in English, but I'm also fluent in Hungarian, so I'm bilingual. And uh, there were times when I, I, trans I actually work here in Longmont sometimes as a contracted <coughs> translator. And, and, you know, if you've ever translated, you'll know this, that someone gives you a phrase and there's probably mm -hmm. a couple different ways that you can translate that phrase which will be accurate but the question is are you trying to say it word for word or are you trying to uh. convey the idea more clearly because sometimes especially in the case of using idioms you know you can think of an idiom I can't think of one off the top of my head but um, I'll try and think of one but anyway I'll, I'll come up with one but that idiom may not translate directly into another language I, I'll give you one from the Bible. Right. I was just studying okay. uh, Hebrews chapter 12 uh, and getting prepared for Sunday morning here at Whitefields. And, and so here's what it says. It says we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Okay. Cloud of witnesses, turns out, that's actually a Greek idiom, meaning a, a phrase or a way of speaking, which refers to a crowd. So they would refer to a crowd of people as a cloud, at, referring oh, wow. to like a, a large number of people. And so... When we hear that, we tend to think, you know, like a fog, like a cloud that goes all around you. And so that can be a right. bit confusing. Now, I think that most of us, you know, we can get past that. And so that's what, so a lot of people who would say, they would advocate for word-for-word -word translations, very literal translations. They would say, you know, we're smart enough people, we can figure it out, which I, right. I tend <laughs> to generally agree with. And that's why I personally favor literal translations. Um, Okay. Then, on the other hand, you have people who say, well, I think the idea is we should try to convey the idea 
and put it in layman's terms or modern language. And, st and so any translation that you read, even the most literal translation, is going to be doing some of that. And even the most, um, the most non-literal translation, let's say, most uh, you know, idea for idea translation, is still trying to stay as faithful to the words as possible uh, okay. while, while conveying the idea. So as far as um, one Bible translation over another, I will tell you this. I do not personally uh, think that the message is a good, I, I won't even call it a translation, and I'll tell you why. It's because um, when I was in seminary, so we had to learn Greek, and at least you know on a functional level, like so we could read you know some of the easier books of the Bible to read. And so part of our assignment in that seminary class was then to translate the uh letter 1st John, which is kind of the easiest Greek in the Bible. And so as we translated 1st John, then we were, then our assignment was to compare it with different Bible translations that are available in English today. And what you find is that, like, so what separates the message and why I, I won't, it, it should not be called a translation. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't read it for what it is, but I would say that to be accurate, the message is actually not a translation, it's an interpretation, or we would call it a commentary. Because basically oh, wow. the guy who wrote that, he's, he's taking the Bible and he's, he's going so far with it to the point where it's actually a commentary. Now, as a commentary, you just got to understand that that's that guy's opinion about what those, those verses mean. He's not trying to translate. He's trying to interpret. So that would be the one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, I personally don't think you can go too literal. So, you know, your most literal translations that are popularly used are translations like the New American Standard Bible. Uh, then you would have like the English Standard Version, the ESV, and then you'd have like the New King James, and then down to like. Right, I have the that NIV. one. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have down to the NIV. So. You know, what I found in my studies is that the NIV does get a bit of a bad reputation for some reasons, but in general, the NIV tends to actually be, I found it to be more accurate than I expected it to be. So let's just say that. And more literal than I expected it to be. So on the, the less uh, literal side, you've got uh, translations like the CSV, kind of Christian Standard Version, and you've got the New Living Translation. So uh, it's my preference. When I read those, I feel like, I feel like they're doing a lot of the work for me, and I mm -hmm. feel like sometimes you lose some things when you try to be too colloquial, so to say, right? It's like too, trying to put it too much in layman's terms. Right. Right, because especially if you're trying to witness to someone, like you mentioned, someone that is not, that English wasn't their first language, they've immigrated here, they're learning English, and you're trying to uh, read the scripture and convey the, you know, thought from God's Word, um, just want something that would resonate with them and they would understand the concept. And yeah, absolutely. And that's where like a translation like the New Living Translation would be maybe very helpful. Or for kids, okay. you know, or I think for young people, sometimes right. you're right. If, if you want to get the Word into their terms so that it can touch their heart better, I think yes. that can be very helpful. I well, thank you very much, Pastor. I certainly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. All right. Have a great week. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. Right. Bye -bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have all open lines right now. It's a good time for you to 
call in if you'd like to get on the air. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, just a few more thoughts on Hebrews chapter 12 as we're waiting for those lines to fill up. And, uh, and that's this. So I'm preparing to teach this text for this weekend, just really looking forward to it. And what I found is... Um, it's really interesting because it, it gives us an Olympic metaphor, which I think is interesting because right now with the Olympics going on and everything, it's kind of fresh in my mind. So the Olympic metaphor it gives is, as I was saying to this previous caller, it uses this picture of a cloud of witnesses. And then it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And it's kind of hard to get it unless you really dig into the language there. But what he's giving is a picture of a stadium. And in that stadium, all around surrounding you in that stadium are those who have gone before you in the faith and they are witnessing to you with their lives of what it means to have faith in God and what it means to trust God and they're essentially in a way cheering you on and saying you know go for it you've got this you can do it we're, we're with you we're, we're supporting you and cheering you on and that word run and race the word race there is a really interesting word because it's actually the word uh, agon in Greek from which we get our word agony which I think is really interesting because um, I'm a runner. I mean, at least I'm an aspiring runner. I, I don't know. I think I can call myself a runner now. I've run some longer races. And so I, I can relate to that idea of a race being, you know, there's a degree of agony in it. And he's saying that that's what life is like. Life is a, a series of trials and difficulties in a way that at time can feel like an agonizing set of challenges. But then he tells us that that God, first he used this metaphor that God is a coach. In other words, he's a coach who is there coaching us and sending exercise our way. Because when the trials and difficulties come into our lives, on the one hand, uh, God has so much disdain for things that are broken in this world that he sent his son into the world to end evil and end suffering for good and forever. And yet at the same time, we know from the Bible that God uses trials and difficulties in our lives for our good. In, in a way, it compares it here to training and exercise. It actually uses the word training in verse 11. I'm sorry, in verse 13. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, verse 11, where it says that we have been trained by the discipline of God. And so that's interesting. It's, that word trained there is actually the word uh, gymnazo, from which we get our word gymnasium. And it means that God is training us. He is training us and preparing us. He's making us stronger. He's using difficulties and discipline in our lives to make us into the people that he wants us to become. And so I think that's really interesting. But here's what I found even more interesting. It uses that metaphor of, you know, an, an Olympic competition and God as our, our trainer and your coach who is using things in order to make us stronger and to make us better. But then it switches metaphors and it says that God is our it says that God is not just our coach, but God is our father. And he's a loving father. And it uses the word for discipline. It uses the word paideia is actually the word for discipline. I find that really interesting because paideia is the word from which we get our word pediatrics. And so the picture of God is that of a pediatrician who is doing the things that we need in order to heal what is broken in us in order to make us stronger and make us better and to to heal what is broken in us and so i just think it's a wonderful picture and then finally in the end we come back to the beginning where it talks about how jesus took hold of us by suffering through suffering jesus took hold of us for the joy that was set before him and it calls us to pursue jesus no matter what and 
in the end, we will have that joy of being united with him. Just a wonderful picture of the gospel there in Hebrews chapter 12. So that's what we'll be studying this Sunday at Whitefields in Longmont. Let's go to line one where we've got Nick in Littleton, Colorado. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so so I on? had a question today. Um, so I've been, I've been following Jesus for maybe 10 years now. And um, so I got saved, uh, like I said, 10 years ago, and I wasn't, you know, as as anyone might be, I'm not the most faithful servant, but I, I said I've been on and off the faith for a couple a couple times. Um, but, you know, once again, I'm full steam ahead, and I'm, I'm really into the faith again, and I've started going to church again, and <clears throat> and I met this other Christian uh, in a men's Bible study I started going to, and he's been with the faith maybe nine months, and uh, he was telling some stories about he's how he's already led a couple people to Christ, and how I was just hearing his hunger for the Word and for God's Spirit, and I don't know if I've ever had those opportunities or if I've ever just seen the hunger like he's had, and so, you know, I had... I thought, like, how do I know if I'm saved or if I'm truly in the faith? You know, I don't want to be one of those followers who gets up to heaven and he says, I don't know you, or, you know, yeah. <clears throat> I've followed you, uh, you've followed me, but I don't know you, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's a great question. And, uh, and I think that that is a question that is really important that we ask ourselves. I would, I would kind of put it this way, that I think that there are two ways and two kinds of people god speaks to us wherever we're at okay so there are some people who need to be challenged with that and they need to really seriously ask that question am i in the faith am i a false disciple so to say am i a person Mm -hmm. who when i show up in heaven i'm going to say hey jesus and he's going to say hey i never knew you that was actually i'll tell you the truth that was the verse that led me to give my life to the lord when i was 16 years old I had grown up in a uh, liturgical church background and someone pointed that verse out to me and said, this is you, man. You think that you know God, but the truth is that you don't have a relationship with God. And I realized it it stabbed me to the heart. I realized that's exactly right. And um, and uh, that's what led to me giving my life to the Lord. It was a turning point in my life. So it's absolutely an important question to ask. On the other hand, though, for a person who wants to walk with God and is struggling and sometimes failing, but they have this desire. Um, The Bible says different things. It doesn't say, hey, make sure that you're in the faith. It says it gives words of comfort and encouragement and and says things like, hey, if God has you in his hand, he's never going to let you go. And that it's not about your faithfulness. It's about his faithfulness to you. It's not about what you do for him. It's about what he's done for you. And so it sounds to me like you fall in that second category. Um, I think the great benefit of being in a Bible study and meeting somebody like the guy you met is that it spurs you on. I mean, that, that's, yeah. the, that's the benefit to being in fellowship is that you meet a guy like that guy and you say, man, I want that fire. You know, I want to have that passion that he has. And we spur each other on to love and good works, the Bible says. So I would just encourage you, how do you know that you're in the faith? Well, I'll, I'll give you some Bible verses. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you have called upon the name of the Lord, if you've trusted in him, then I believe that you can have confidence that you will be saved. There's another verse that says, no one can say that a Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, it doesn't just mean saying the words because anybody could, you know, 
make those sounds come out of their mouth. Yeah. But say in, say in your heart and really believe in your heart that you desire for Jesus to be your Lord, that you give him the wheel, so to say, and the control over your life. You can only do that by the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8 says that if you have the Holy Spirit, then you belong to God. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you don't belong to God. Right. So it sounds to me like you do. And I would just encourage you, um, be in fellowship and and continually seek the Lord. You know, how Lord, what can I do? I want I want my life to live for you. I want to, you know, live for you and I want to do these things that you want me to do. And man, I gotta tell you just from talking to you briefly now, I would say it sounds like that's where you're at. So I would encourage you in that. Yeah, I've I've sort of hit a point where it's like I've been following him for maybe 10 years, and I just feel like I've been idle. It's like, yeah, I, I, I did I did it halfway, but I'm, I'm at a point where it's like I want to I wanna do it full speed. Yeah, amen. And I know exactly what that feels like, and, uh, and I'm with you. And so I would just encourage you to bring that desire to, it sounds like you're in a men's Bible study group, bring that to those guys. Yeah. Share your heart with them. Tell them, hey, this is where I'm at, I, and I want you guys to keep me accountable. You know, we live okay. in a society that doesn't like that word accountability but right. in the in some ways accountability can be beautiful it can also be weird and and we don't want it to be <laughs> that right like everybody yeah. has probably experienced what it's like to have it be weird but um but you know there's some very good and, and right ways to have accountability like this is something i always point out when i do weddings is i say the whole purpose for having friends and family here is because you're asking them to hold you accountable and yeah the same thing is true of, of baptism, and it's true in fellowship. Basically, you're going on record and saying, this is, I desire to follow the Lord, and I'm telling you guys about it because I want you to hold me accountable. So in the future, if you start to see me doing things that are incongruent or kind of you know fading away or going off the path, I want you guys to speak into my life, and I, I'm giving you permission to do that. So okay. I, I would I would encourage you to do that. I'd also encourage you to talk to leadership at your church. Tell them that you want to serve. I got to tell you, one of the ways that God helps people who have a tendency to stray is by um, service. Because if sure. you're you know if you're scheduled to be there, then you <laughs> you might say, well, I don't feel like going, but I'm going to go. And some people would yeah. say, well, that's you know you're serving out of obligation. Well, I think there's a it's it's not so much obligation as it is you are strategically putting yourself in a place where you know your own weaknesses and you know that you're going to need some accountability. You know that you're going to need somebody to call you on the phone and say, hey, you're going to be there tomorrow, right? And yeah. so I would encourage you to do that. Put yourself in those in those kind of positions. In my opinion, that's an act of faith and it's an act of obedience and it's a it's a step of discipleship to say, I'm going to put myself in a place you know, where, where I can't get out of this. Because yeah. I, I don't want to. Right right now, when I'm in a good place, I'm deciding that when I'm in a bad place, I don't want to walk away. Exactly. So, well, let me pray for you. Sounds like... No, that'd be great. I, I'm really encouraged by everything you're saying. So um, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Nick. I thank you for this desire of his to, to know that he's yours, but also to, to serve you. Not half-heartedly, not halfway, but Lord, full speed and, and full on. So Lord, I pray that you would bring people around him who would encourage him in his faith and help him to make it to that, that next level of discipleship where he's serving you, where he knows you in a greater way, and where he's not continually falling into this cycle of falling away and then coming back and then falling away. Lord, I pray that his discipleship would be characterized by faithfulness 
and not just his faithfulness, but his knowledge of your faithfulness and his knowledge of what you've done for him, that that would be the motivating and driving factor in his life. So I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your encouragement and your advice. Yeah, absolutely. God bless you. Thanks, you too. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're coming up on a break in just a few minutes, but we've got time for a few more calls. So let's go to line two. We've got Liz in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Liz. Hi, Pastor Nick. Um, first of all, to the last caller, I'm sorry I didn't catch his name. Um, I used to be in the same boat. Another word of encouragement. You wouldn't feel the way you're feeling if you didn't belong to him. I agree with you. Plain and, plain and simple. That's how you know, too, because God is going to draw you to himself, and that's what you feel, and that's an awesome feeling to know that. Absolutely. So moving on to my question. Um, so Bible says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing in terms of giving, um, stuff like that. Today somebody told me that in terms of, like, since it's tax season, to... Be claiming your tithes, offerings, you know, other charities. We shouldn't be doing that when we're claiming them on taxes. That we we should not be claiming those on our taxes because that's what that is. And I've never heard that before. My mom used to do it. I mean, I know other pastors that have done that. Am I? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, so I think that it's really easy for people to take that phrase that Jesus said, not to let your left hand know what your right hand's doing uh, when it comes to giving and to take it to, I guess I would say, an unbiblical extreme. And I'm not saying that that conclusion is actually an extreme or that it's unbiblical. I just say that we have this tendency to add to it. I mean, that's really kind of what the Pharisees did. And I really don't want to call your friend a Pharisee. I just want to explain this point and then I'll get on to what I really want to say. But you know what the Pharisees did is that they took the law of Moses, which was 613 laws, and they wrote these things called Talmuds. And the Talmud, yes, the Talmud. they called them the Talmud. Right, yes. They called them the fence. It was the fence around the law to make sure that you didn't yes. even get close to the law. You just stay on the outside mm -hmm. of the fence, then you won't even get close to breaking the law. But in doing that, Jesus said that you are you are piling up weights on people's backs. You know, you're adding laws to the law. And sometimes you're going to the point where God never intended it to go. And so yeah. I think that we have that tendency if we're not careful. We got yeah. two minutes to uh, break. I just want to give you a heads up. If you if we're not finished, then I'm going to ask you to hold on through the break. OK, yes. Yeah. OK. And so it's funny that you mentioned that. You know, I don't want to call her a Pharisee because she would really find that offensive because she is from Jerusalem. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, and, but, and I really don't want to call your friend a Pharisee. I just want to say that I think that's a tendency that we all have. I think that we tend to be law. We tend to love laws. We love boundaries. We love barriers because they give us a sense of security. And um, but here's the thing that I would say. I think that that's. I think that's adding something to what Jesus was saying that I don't think he necessarily intended. I mean, if you want to stretch that whole thing out, because that's what the, the Pharisees would always do. They'd be like, well, if you stretch this out to its logical conclusion, then you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that either. And okay. I think that, well, what is the point that Jesus is saying? He was counteracting people who were giving in order to be seen by others, mm -hmm. in order to um, 
They were wanted to glorify themselves in the eyes of other people. They wanted other people to look at them and say, that guy is really something. That guy is really spiritual. You know, and Jesus was saying, that is such the wrong motivation. When you give to the Lord, it should be, you should be giving unto the Lord. Not, I mean, in a way, if you give and you get patted on the back for it, and that, that's your reward, you know, that instead mm -hmm. of the reward from the Lord. Yeah. So we're coming up on our break. If you want to hang on with me throughout the break, uh, it'll be two minutes, and then we'll come back and I'll finish answering your question right after that. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. You're listening uh -huh. to Calvary Live. We're coming up on our half show break. So if you stick with us for two more minutes, we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or about life or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you. We have all, all full lines right now. So I'd like to go back to Liz in Denver, who I was with right before the break. Hi, Liz. Hi. Hey, thanks for holding. So I really just want to conclude by saying that I think this comes down to a matter of the heart. You know, if mm -hmm. if your friend doesn't want to claim them on her taxes, I think that that's totally fine. And that I think that God is honored by that. You know, when she says, look, I gave this as a gift out of my heart. I don't want to benefit anything from it. I just want it to be a sacrifice unto the Lord. Yeah, I think that God is honored by that. I think that God loves that. So okay. I, I would just encourage her to do that. And um okay. and as for but I would I would hesitate to try and bring that on anybody else. I think this falls into the realm of the stuff that Paul talks about to the Corinthians where he says, you know, hey, if it's a sin for you to eat meat sacrificed to idols, then it would be okay. a sin for you to go against that conviction. Yeah. And so I would say the same thing to her. If this is your conviction, then by all means, you should follow that conviction unto the Lord. And I believe that he sees your heart and he's honored by it. On the other hand, I don't think that you need to, uh, you know, force that as a hard, fast rule for other people. Yeah, because when it comes down to it, like, I am so, like, to the point that I just want to do what God says to do. I just want to obey and do the right thing. I don't want to do... You know, anything that goes against his word is yeah. where I'm at. And, you know, I, I was going to go do my taxes today, and that, like, I was like, I need to get counseling on this because I'm, you know, this is something I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the, here's the deal. Jesus is talking about your intent in giving. That's what it is. And so if you gave to your church with the intent to receive something back, uh, or with the intent to have other people pat you on the back for it, because that's really the, the situation that he's talking about, uh, is did you give to have other people recognize it and realize it and to glorify you for it? And I don't think that that's why you did it, unless I'm wrong. Uh, the other yeah, thing because it's, you know, when people give, I mean, especially nowadays, it's, I love the way it is nowadays because, 
you can give, quote-unquote, anonymously without anybody, you know, ever seeing anything from you, you know. Right. But it's between you and God, you know. Absolutely. Like, you know, the way it is now with automated and all that stuff, people can do that. And it's, I think, I feel more comfortable doing it like that than to, you know, like the whole blab it and grab it people, oh, come give a thousand dollars, you know, and then you feel horrible because you can't. Right, right. You know. Sure, so, yeah. I, mean, I just, the, the I just want to do, you know, what's, what's best, you know, what's God, what does God say, what's God's word say, and I want to honor the Lord. That's, that's what I want to do. I'll give you one more thing to consider before you do your taxes, and that's this, that David, if you might remember the story, in Second Samuel, there's this point where someone comes to David and they basically try to give him a discount. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they try to give him something that he can then yeah. sacrifice. And David says, well, this yeah. isn't a sacrifice because it didn't cost me anything. And yeah. he says, how can I sacrifice? I mean, that goes against the very definition of sacrifice. Yeah. And so I think that there's something to be considered in there is that, you know, mm-hmm. you, you weren't supposed to give, when you were sacrificing a lamb, you weren't supposed to give a lamb that was blemished. And the reason was because, you know, basically those are the ones that you're going to throw away or they're the cheaper ones. God wants you to give your best to him, not the rest. And yeah. I think that's just something to consider in this factor too. Are you giving, is, is your giving actually a sacrifice? Because the fact is that whatever you worship, you know, whether it's um, God or whether it's some form of idol, whether that's you know mm-hmm. life or recreation, whatever it is, no matter what it is that you worship, you will sacrifice for it. And the question yeah. is, is your giving sacrificial? And and if not, then then again you need to question that. But as far yeah. as if you can uh, take it as a deduction on your taxes, I personally don't think that there's anything in the Bible that would say no, you shouldn't. Um, but I would encourage you to pray about it and just have that conviction in your heart so that you can stand before the Lord and say, Lord, okay. I'm I'm doing what you want me to do. Yeah. Okay. All right. That sounds good then. Thank you, Pastor. Absolutely. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We have two open lines right now, but let's go to Grace on line one in Harrisburg, PA. Hi, Grace. Hi. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. I was just getting in the car and I had some preaching. I got uh, to the point where you are reading. Psalm 61, and it felt as if it was directed to me. Well, praise the Lord. I'll tell you one thing. You're listening to the show on a one-week delay. So who you heard was Pastor Eric, who was on oh, last okay. Friday. Yeah, because you guys are in Pennsylvania, right? Uh-huh. So you, you hear the show on a one-week delay. We're, we're live here in Colorado. Okay. You guys are hearing the show a week later. But tell, tell, us, tell our listeners what Pastor Eric was saying, because it sounds like it was awesome. No, it was about uh, uh, telling, uh, talking to God about to hear your cry, oh God, attend into my prayer, for the end of the earth will, will call unto thee mm-hmm. when my heart is overwhelmed. It felt, it just felt as if it was directed to me. I am going through a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my fiance was arrested uh, a year and a half ago okay. by the immigration. He's not a criminal. He's a good man. He's a nurse. And uh, going through that, it affects even my, my boys. I have two boys mm. that are his. And uh, having them stay without their father has is, is been very challenging. But I thank God because that scripture reminds me that I can I have someone to cry on. I have Absolutely. someone to cry to and he will hear me. Absolutely. And I, I just need a prayer. Yes. Love to pray for you. Here's I'll just read you the rest of that scripture. He says, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge and a strong tower against my enemy. I love that picture of the rock that is higher than us. And that's a picture of, of who God is. Yeah. He's a rock and he is higher than us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are yeah. higher than our thoughts. And he is our refuge and our strong tower. Yeah. We can go and hide in him. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father. <laughs> oh, if you could put me off the speaker, I'd appreciate it. But. Heavenly Father, I pray for grace, and I ask, Lord, that you would be to her this strong tower, this refuge that she needs during this time. I pray for her and her boys as they're without their dad. Lord, we know that that is very difficult to go through. And Lord, I pray that you would be near to them at this time. I pray that you would, be, you would make yourself known to them and, and make yourself present to them as a father to those kids, as a husband to Grace. Lord, I pray that you would fill that void and fill that gap. And thank you, Lord, that you are a shoulder that she can cry on. You are an ear that she can cry out to. You are listening to her. I thank you, Lord, that when her heart is faint, she can come to you. And you will lead her to that rock that you are, that place of stability, that place where she can hide from the storm. And Lord, I pray that truly she would experience you in that way. Lord, we pray for her fiancé. We pray that his situation would be cleared up legally. They, the family would be reunited, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for calling in. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. You can call in with your questions about the Bible questions about life, your prayer requests, you can also text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Sabrina in Thornton, Colorado. Hi, Sabrina. Hi. Good afternoon, Pastor. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing? Well, I have a, I have a, a scenario that had happened um, last night. i got to tell you the story, and hopefully we'll have time to, uh, to really get deep into this. But my my daughter's father-in-law passed away, okay, about a week ago, in his car in the garage, committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a grandson that's two years old, never met Grandpa, um, because, you know, they're military, they're stationed in Japan. And um, the baby, I guess my daughter was saying that the baby went into the garage mm-hmm. and kept saying ghosts ghost, ghost. Then, all of a sudden, he's seen a picture of Grandpa, and he said, ghost. 
Exactly. That's what I said. And my daughter's um, really upset about this. And I pointed her, I, I pointed her that it's not Mike. It's not the grandpa. When we're dead, we're dead. And then I pointed her to Ephesians 6, 10 through 24, um, and what we, we uh, fight against. And so I'm thinking, when I told her, I'm thinking um, an evil spirit. So there might be a spiritual attack on the baby, so let's pray for him, pray over him. But am I giving her the wrong information? No, I don't think you are. I, I, th I agree with you. I think the Bible is quite clear. Like Hebrews 9.27, it says that man is destined to die once, and then after that comes judgment. And so, mm -hmm. so that would, you know, we, we don't believe that there are, spirits of people who have died like disembodied spirits kind of floating around um, right and and doing things like that so so we don't believe in ghosts in this sense you know the bible doesn't teach about ghosts in that way uh, what the bible would say is that there are indeed spiritual beings and that mm -hmm. there are malevolent and there are <laughs> benevolent spiritual beings right so there are demons and there are angels and so it's hard for me to say, you know, and I'm sure it's hard for you to say, too, whether this was some kind of spiritual being or whether it was an angel, whether it was a demon. So I don't think you're giving your daughter the wrong information, though. Right. And the dad, which both both my daughter, he, he served the Lord while he was uh, living. He served the Lord. Um, yeah. Now, he was spiritually attacked, obviously, because of the, com the committing of the suicide. Um, is what I believe. Um, but the father was, was, this was all over the phone this morning, the father of the baby was just like, I don't believe all this spiritual stuff. I don't believe your mom is right. And I, you know, and I got him on the phone and, you know, talked to him about a few things out of Scripture and gave him Scripture. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, it. It's better to pray over your child. Um, I forgot my thought, how I was going to put it. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so I just stopped driving. So I'm a delivery driver, pulled over, and I made them lay hands on him, and I prayed because we don't know. I can't sit there and say that, um, it's an evil spirit, but it's not a ghost. It's not his father. Is what is that's not in scripture, correct? Right, that's true. Yeah, so I, I'm. I mean, I'm with you. I, I feel like you're right. You know, in the sense that okay, one thing we know is that there aren't disembodied spirits floating around, and so therefore, this can't just be his spirit. You know, coming back and appearing or, or doing something like that. Now, is it a is it a demon? Is it a angel? I don't think we can know that. So, but you know what? Praying over your baby, I don't think you can go wrong there. <laughs> I think that, you know, praying, uh, <laughs> yeah. praying uh, for you know, engaging in the spiritual battle is something that we're encouraged to do. Like you said in Ephesians chapter six, in the Second Corinthians chapter ten, and so I think that you know, I would just encourage you to keep praying for your baby and and pray for spiritual protection pray for for god to watch over 
and uh, to give discernment as to good and evil and right and wrong. So on that same note, um, okay, children are not of a maturity level of salvation just yet. Like, Leo is two years old. He's not, you know, he's young. Um, praying, is it is it okay to pray that we arm him? Well... We, you know, with the armor of Christ? Well, yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, think about the armor of Christ. You know, we're talking about the helmet of salvation, the, the breastplate of righteousness. You know, are these things that as a two-year-old he can comprehend? I'm not sure. I have a two-year-old. I don't really know if she could comprehend those things, but yet I don't want to sell her short either. So I want to teach her about those things, and as her level of understanding grows, I'm going to keep teaching her about those things until she really, That's really right. grabs a hold of it. So I would, uh, I would say... You know, you want your child to have those things, but I would say also just pray that God protects them. But you can keep teaching about those things, even even from two years old. She'll eventually understand it. Your baby will. So by asking for the spirit uh, for the armor of Christ to be placed upon him is okay. I mean, Christ well, I will, would do I will that, tell you right? That that's the, what, that's my question. Yeah, and so my understanding of the armor of Christ is that these are things that you know that act as armor. So, for example, he says, put on the whole armor of God. So stand, therefore, having what? The belt of truth, belt the of breastplate truth, yeah. of righteousness, shoes for your feet, which is the readiness of the gospel of peace, you know, helmet of salvation. To me, what, as far as I understand them, these are things which we understand. These are, these are the things that we understand to be true, truths that we know because of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And because we have mm -hmm. these truths, they protect us from the spiritual attacks, which often come in the area of our mind, you know, that the enemy is the father of lies, and he speaks lies to our mind. And so when he comes against us and says, you are not saved, we have this helmet of salvation that <laughs> says, you're wrong. I, I know that I'm saved, and here's why I know that I'm saved. When he comes against us and comes and attacks our heart, we can say, no, I know that I am righteous in Christ because he has given me his righteousness. Okay. You, you have the belt of truth, which holds it all together, the fact that there is such a thing as truth, and that holds all those things together. And so I, I don't know if I think, it sounds to me like the way that you're picturing the armor of God is, is some kind of, I guess, untangible, spiritual thing that you can pray upon somebody and i'm not sure that i i agree with that that was but, my could you're exactly right that was my question okay yeah. so i don't really agree with that i think that these are truths that you know and they act when the enemy attacks you they act as defenses against that mm -hmm. now that being said i think you absolutely can ask for god to protect your baby from spiritual attack. I mean, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And that you should. So I would okay. encourage you in that. And, and when it comes to the armor of God and these things, I would encourage you to teach your children this, even from that young age, teach them about these things and let those mm -hmm. things act as spiritual armor against spiritual attacks, which, as I said, often come in the form of um, thoughts in, in our mind, you know, these thoughts that come mm -hmm. in your mind that are, Attacks. So that, that oftentimes is the battlefield in which spiritual attacks take place. You know what other question I, I, I get asked of me a lot is, when we're saved, 
are are we automatically clothed with the armor? Yeah, again, I would say no. I would say you're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. It's a status that is given to you in Christ. But I would say that the armor is something that you, like I said, is something that you learn. These are truths that you take a hold of. And as okay. much as, in as much as you take a hold of them, they act as armor against those fiery darts of the evil one. Okay. Okay. Cool. So good. I didn't give her bad information then. No, I don't think so. I think you're doing all right. I'm so okay. I didn't want. I'm so careful about misleading somebody. You yeah, know. Absolutely. So, well, great. thank you, Pastor. Have a good weekend. You too. God bless you. Bye bye. God bless. Bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church on the air with you today. I'd like to take this opportunity to just invite you to join us at Whitefields. If you are in the Longmont, Colorado area, we'd love to have you come and join us on Sunday for church. We're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. A great text and looking forward to seeing how it encourages us to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and to run that race that he set before us. So you can check us out at whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com, and we'd love to see you at our church this Sunday if you're in the area. Let's go to line one where we've got Jennifer with a prayer request. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, this is Jennifer. Good afternoon. Hi, Jennifer. You're live on Calvary Live. Yes, hi. I'm actually stuck in traffic right now. Um, I wanted to um, please request for a prayer for my dad. Mm -hmm. He um, has been in and out of the hospital. He um, just got a kidney transplant. He had a open heart um, heart surgery, and he's he doesn't believe in God, but he's always sick, and I'm so scared for him. Okay, I I love to pray for your dad. He's gonna have an open heart surgery. You said he already had that, so he oh, he, he has a lot of infections, and he's always going back oh, and wow. forth. And okay. my brother died of. Um, kidney problem. I lost my mom like five years ago, oh and it's kind of the only person that I had. I do have my sisters, but parent-wise is the only one I have left. I, and I'm, I don't have a great relationship with him, but mm -hmm. I, I just don't want anything to happen to him either. Okay, let's pray for your dad. Heavenly Father, we pray for Jennifer's father. Lord, we, we thank you that you have preserved his life thus far. Thank you that he had a successful surgery. But Lord, we do ask for these infections to be healed. We ask for his body to be well. Lord, we ask that you would be a, a doctor, a physician to him. And Lord, I pray for Jennifer and her dad that their relationship would be healed, that you'd bring healing and restoration in that relationship. Obviously, she cares about him. And Lord, I pray that you would do a work in that relationship that's real and, and lasting. So Father, we, we pray that you would heal him, that you would watch over him, take care of him, and restore his health. And we pray that, in uh, pray that over Jennifer's dad and his life. Lord, we ask for comfort and patience for Jennifer as she waits for these things to happen. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you Amen. so much. Thank you. Yes, I you appreciate God that. God bless you. All right. Thanks, bye. -bye. bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. We have time for one more call. Let's go to line three. We've got Samuel in Westminster, Colorado. Hi, Samuel. Oh, I'm Nick. How are you doing this evening? Doing awesome. Thanks. Great. Um, I just wanted to comment on the lady that uh, had called in about um, deducting her giving on her taxes. Sure. 
And I had a personal experience with that. Uh, several years ago, I had some real bad financial times, and I almost lost my house two different times. And I was of the same mindset of the other person that, you know what, it's a gift to God. I'm not going to claim it on my taxes. Mm-hmm. And someone asked me, you know, if I was claiming if I was claiming my giving on my taxes, and I said no, and they asked why not, and I told them. And then they said, I love what they said. They said, well, do you need the money? I said, well, yeah, of course I can use the money. Then don't you think that this is a way of God rewarding you for giving to Him, even in the bad times? Mm. And at first I thought, well, that didn't make sense, but then he said, think about it. Who are you getting the money back from, the church or from the government? Yeah. He said, you're not taking money away from God. Basically what's happened is you've given that money to the Lord, and He's giving back to you in your time of need. Mm-hmm. And from that time on, I thought, you know, that's true, because the day will come where we won't be able to deduct our giving on our taxes. I have no doubt that it's going to be a real sin. Mm. But if you look at it as a way of God returning back to you, and then taking that money, if, you know, if you, if you do feel like, you know, even a little bit of guilt, then you can take that money and reinvest, reinvest it into something for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, I would say... Just because I, I guess because I think in theological terms a lot, I would say like in uh, in theological terms, we would call what you're talking about, we would call it common grace. And what that means is that God has given us grace through means, through such things as the IRS. That Can God work through the IRS to bless his children? Of course he can. And so we'd say that's an example of, of common grace. And so... Um, if you want to take a, you know, view that as a way that God is providing for you and your family, then awesome. You know, I think that you're right. I think it does get down to a matter of um, intention and a matter of the heart. I think that that's the key, that God's always looking at your heart. Can there be a bad way that you give to your church in order to get some kind of benefit? Yeah, I think that it probably could be. But for, I think for the majority of people, that's not the case. I think that that's really the key, that God, instead of giving us a rule book, I think this is always very interesting to me, that God could have given us a rule book, but for some reason he didn't give us a rule book. He gave us, uh, I guess what you'd call a series of principles. And sometimes those principles seem to overlap. And when they overlap and there's not a clear answer, that's when God says, well, seek me about the answer. I want you to come to me. I want you to pray. I want you to ask me. I want you for your unique situation. I want you to come to me and ask. And, I, and because God wants us to be in communion with him. He, so, he does. And that is so awesome. Absolutely. So, hey, I appreciate the call and appreciate the advice. I hope Les is listening in. Oh, no problem. And just, just I have one more quick comment. I know we're running out of time. All right. But, uh, but during that time, I couldn't sleep. I mean, I, it was it was a real struggle for me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a single parent. I have a, I have a son and you know, it's just like, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I was really struggling with sleeping. It was extremely stressful. And one night I just asked the Lord, you know, I said, I said why am I going through this? And what should I do? And basically he told me, he said, don't do anything. 
He said, you're not trusting me. Yeah. And then what happened was I thought about it. I thought, you know, he's right because it's not my home anyway. It's his home. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't want me to have that home, then I won't have it no matter what I do. And putting it into his hands was such a blessing because whenever the times came that it got, you know, really down to the nitty-gritty again, I just turned to him. I said, you know what, Lord, I can't do this. I'm going to give it to you. And it really helped, you know, helped me sleep at night, and it just made my life so much better, not having all that stress there. And it is hard to do. I'll be honest with you. It's very hard to do. But once you can do that, it's amazing how much he blesses you. And he, he, he got me through it. I mean, he just he got me through the hard times in ways that were unlooked for. People needed odd jobs done as you know normally I'd do for free, and I was going to do them for free, but they went ahead and gave me the extra money, and that's what saved my butt. And it hey, was well, best that was, was unlooked for. But God is really gracious. I just want to let people know Amen. that He cares about every part of your life, even the small things. And it's hard, but sometimes you just have to trust Him. I Amen. did, and it made a big difference. Samuel, we, we've reached the end of our show. I just want to thank you for your call and uh, say God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. Tune in to Calvary Live every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. God bless you. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.